0: Good morning, church family. So good to see all of you out here. Welcome again to everybody online on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you may be. Those who may take this message in at a later date—it is terrific to see again so many of you here. Uh, those of you that are uh, people looking for a title, heart condition is the name of the meshes today. Heart condition. So, you'll figure that out here real quick. We're going to be primarily in Matthew chapter 13. If you have uh, scripture, a device, whatever you gather God's word from, you can get to there. We'll, we'll spill out of that a little bit as we go. But today we're going to, uh, we're going to look at one of the parables of Jesus. Uh, parables are an earthly story with the heavenly meaning, uh, they describe the, the mystery form of the kingdom. Or the church age that's their intent and this morning we're looking specifically at a very familiar uh, parable of the sower uh, I'm a learner that likes to uh, have a lot of visual effects that's how I learn therefore that's how I teach or how I preach so uh, my first my first is a map that uh, I'm going I'm to give the kids in the back and the bridge of Run for their money today. I've got a a lot of media. But one of the things I like to emphasize is that, that makes this very real for me is that these are real people in a very real place. And if we can wrap our head around where these things happen, it makes it a lot more real for me, and I pray that it makes it a lot more real for you. So as you can see from that that diagram on the on the left kind of gives an overall view of the state of Israel as it is today. And then inset, and that is that north shore of the Lake of, or the Sea of Galilee, which has been known to be the, the Lake of Tiberias for other reasons. But you can kind of see in the middle left of the shoreline there, Capernaum. Uh, you may not be able to read that from your vantage point, but something that's uh, fun to look up as you study God's Word and kind of see what's going on in that. But Jesus had spent the day here in this region, this north shore of the Sea of Galilee, in the synagogue. He healed a man's withered uh, withered hand. Uh, The multitude followed him. Scripture tells us that he he not just healed a few people, he healed all of the people of their physical ailments. And it was all on the Sabbath. And uh, the Pharisees naturally came and questioned him, how can you do these things on the Sabbath? But the crowd here, very important for us to know, was all Jewish. And uh, the multitudes following him, He's done these miracles countless. We don't know what the multitude was, but let's just assume it was a few hundred at minimum that followed him. And again, he had healed everyone's physical ailments. So they had witnessed profound miracle in their midst. So I'm going to follow that guy too, and I'm certainly going to want to listen to what he has to say, right? So in order to make this happen, Jesus gets in a boat because there's so many, and he wants to be able to get the word out, Go ahead and give me two. This is an aerial shot of what many believe is the location, if you will, of, uh, if we can get the clock to move, maybe. Good to see the clock. Maybe we can't get the clock to move. Maybe the clock's for me so that I don't run over time. We have to <laughs> meet another blessing. In a row where it says 27, there's a location there that's known as the Sower's Cove. So, this is the physical, this is a, uh, you can maybe see the date in the lower left hand corner is an aerial shot taken in 2014, but of course it looks uh, all of this as we're in today's world as well. Let's go ahead and roll to three. This is another back aerial shot of what is believed to be the location. Scripture doesn't tell us specifically. I'm I'm sure there's a sign there, but hey, maybe it was a few hundred yards or a quarter mile, one way or another. Doesn't really matter. But you can imagine Jesus sitting in a boat in the midst of that, and the multitude gathered on the shoreline around him, listening. How he was able to get his voice heard. Another supernatural event, I'm sure, without any PA system. And one last look at pick four. Taken back again, you can see on the, on the left there was the entrance to Capernaum, this area. But again, all around him is agriculture. Uh, we're going to pick up in, in Matthew chapter 13, in verses 3 through 9, and then we'll break them down. But it says, Then he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns, or the weeds, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, Jesus takes something that the locals could understand, and he lays it alongside something that they don't understand, and one explains the other. And that's what a parable is. It's a, it's a comparison. Uh, Jesus only spoke to the multitudes in parables. Jesus only explained the parable to his disciples, frankly, because they asked. And that will be important to remember as we move. So uh, in Matthew, a little further down in the chapter, in 13, verse 34, it says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he, Jesus, did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things to keep secret from the foundation of the world. So interesting. I know a lot of a lot of people come up and and preach, give a message, and they have tablets and electronics now, and they're swooping the pages. I'm kind of old school and I need to print this stuff out. But one of the things that jumps out of me and You all can't see this, but I had this all prepared, printed, done up. And then there's all, I've got arrows, words, things stuck in here as the Lord turned this message uh, gratefully from any message of mine to a message of his. So originally I said, parables do not include proper names. And I stifled in here the word typically. So to read parables typically do not include proper names or references to specific people. And if any of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus and the rich man, oftentimes that's attributed to being a parable. Uh, The New Testament has 37 parables of Jesus. Some would believe 38, including that story of Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, Again, a notation that that's my opinion, and it's not definitely uh, doctrine. So that being said, uh, the actual truth and places in that particular story are the truth about Lazarus, the rich man, Abraham's bosom, and so forth. But we'll get back to this one in Matthew 13, 3, and just pick apart that first verse there when it says, Then he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, observe, is what that means, a sower went out to sow. So Jesus uses familiar comparisons, right? This is an agrarian society. Most people here were either farmers, worked in agriculture, or they were fishermen. Uh, you wouldn't take he wouldn't take this message today to say Silicon Valley, and start telling them about a story about sowers and. You know, some of these people might not think that vegetables don't just come from the store and they show up on a truck. Maybe they don't know anything about it. But definitely, uh, definitely in this society, they, they know what he's talking about. And if, the, if you remember those, those photos from the air, Jesus may well, as the multitude, may have been actually watching someone sowing seed while he's giving this message. They were very familiar with it. Let's see pick five. Sowing the seed, right? So this would have included the leather bag that you see over the sower's shoulder. A sower, a farmer, a, a pro at this would have, had, would have had measured steps. They would have walked in a straight line. There would have been a rhythm. They would have reached into this bag. They would have grabbed seed and just slung it. Uh, broadcasting is where we get the English term from the sowing. With that. He broadcasted the seed, and as he would reach the end of that field, he would turn, move over the appropriate space, and he would walk with those measured steps, and he would just continue to sow this seed. Then Jesus describes four different types of soil. So we'll look at those. In verse four, he says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. So the wayside soil, and we'll look at six. It's the beaten path. So in this area of northern Israel, all over the country, people walked, other than those that may have traveled by ship, everybody else is on foot, maybe in a wagon, but as they traveled the countryside, they would have walked on a path like this, and they were surrounded by agriculture and farming. So not just the paths that, the, that the, the folks traveled back and forth to and from home, the cities and various things. There would have been this wayside ground would have been between crops, any place that the farmer would have had to travel to do, do their work. So it's very hard packed. It's beaten down. It's a very, very hard soil. If any of you have ever planted a lawn and sown seed by hand, not, not the, the, the way I like to do it now and getting sawed, but actually, planting with seed, right? And you're broadcasting the seed. Any place that's hardened soil, it's just not going to take. It needs to be, it needs to be prepared. Um, our dogs always run. You are know, gonna have dogs out there? They run in the same path in the lawn all the time, right? And every you try to have grass grow there, and they just keep running through it, hard packed soil. Uh, gardens, same thing. We have areas that we walk around in the garden that's not prepared soil. So access areas between the crops. Then it says the birds came down and devoured. Let's see seven. We all know what this looks like, right? Here's the path. If any of this seed that was broadcast fell on this hardened path that couldn't couldn't penetrate, the birds come immediately, right? So the bird feed industry in the United States alone is countless millions of dollars. We've been known to buy a little of ourselves. So birds love that. They love a free meal, but they have an expectation in certain places. I don't know how many of you have ever uh, maybe gone out to In-N-Out Burger, some other place, picked up a bag during COVID. You can't go into a restaurant. You go down to the beach, right? You pull up on the, on the Rincon to watch the dolphins swim and the surf. And what lands on the hood of your car? Thud! I just watched this thing. The birds know, they have an expectation that this seed's going to be in this hardened place and they want you to throw them food. So there's a big issue there. Then it says in verses five and six of chapter 13, some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. This is the rocky soil. Let's see eight. So in, again, this area, I did a little research into agriculture in this this particular area of the world, and there's a limestone bed that was common that was just um, maybe a foot or so or less below the actual soil that they were on. And if the farmer didn't prepare the soil, didn't get his plow deep enough to bust up this limestone surface, the seed had nowhere to go. In local areas here, this could be rock, anything like that. But soil absorbs water and rock displaces soil. So it takes that opportunity out. Here in in the valley of Ojai, uh, particularly on the east end, if you drive around Reeves Road and some others, right, you'll see some walls that have been there for a century or more. They're, I don't know, four to five feet tall. Some cases they're four to five feet thick, and they're just these rock, not brick and mortar, but actually stacked in a very square, very neat pattern. And those are rocks that they didn't get hauled in because they thought it was a beautiful way to make a a boundary, but when they plowed and prepared those fields for whatever crops over the last century that they've grown there or planted orchards or whatnot, they knew they had to get the stones out of the ground or that the, the seed that they sowed or the, or the trees that they planted would not be able to flourish there. So that was a big one. Um, in Matthew, in Mark and Luke, are known as synoptic gospels which simply means, in many regards, they have the same content. The gospel of John doesn't, artic- doesn't have any parables mentioned, but these three definitely have that. And in Luke's gospel, in chapter 8, and verse 6, he brings up this subject on the very same parable, saying, some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. So, Gardeners amongst us that have bought potted plants, maybe bagged roses, things of this nature, have a very limited capacity for growth. Um, when we have planted a garden in the past, we've, we've planted seed and watered and let it spring up and done it all natural. Other times we'll go to Lowe's or Home Depot or a nursery and we can purchase vegetables in a tiny little pot that's already brought up a, a tomato plant or a, any kind any of a vegetable and we'll come and plant it. If, if we left it in that environment, it could never grow. It could never flourish in that, in that environment because of a lack of water. So seeds have a certain amount of energy, and that energy goes in two directions. It sprouts up, which we can all see, but it has an equal amount of energy where it grows down, and it gets sustenance from the soil, and it gets its nutrients, and we can't see that. In Matthew 13 and verse 7, he continues and says, And some seed, some fell among thorns or weeds, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. So, this is that, uh, again, that, that weedy soil. And weeds are completely natural to the soil. That's where they live, that's where they come from. What's unnatural is the good seed. The good seed is not, it's a hostile environment soil for that. So we don't need to sow the weeds because they're already there. That is for sure. We can buy a bag of potting soil, complete potting soil, put it in the ground, plant something on it, and within a day or two, up will come without question the weeds. So we constantly have to defend against the weeds. My aunt and uncle, uh, Uncle Bob and Aunt Ilyu and Uncle Bob just went home to be with the Lord about a year ago. Their property in retirement is a virtual Garden of Eden, from fruit trees to grapes to different things. And they were retired. They could devote their entire lives day to day to go out, and there wasn't a weed to be found on their property. It was just beautiful. And they had the time to commit to that and to dedicate to it. And it was always so inspiring to see see this and, and, and compare. Let's... Um, Let's look at pick nine. This is like my garden. So <clears throat> This is what happens when you still work, and you sow seed, and they pop up, and, and you looked look great on Saturday when you worked on it, and by the time maybe you got back out there on, uh, on Friday afternoon or whatever the next week, it's like, what? This is what happened. So it, it, takes, it takes a lot of work for sure. Um, those of you may you know, travel back and forth for work or whatever from here to Ventura, you know that at the end of the freeway, 33, before you enter into Casita Springs, there is a piece of land there on the right where they would frequently grow alfalfa and hay and various things. So I always marvel at the crop there, and when they prepare it and they sow the seed and the crop grows up and they bale hay. But boy, when they leave that alone for any length of time, like it is now when you drive by, here come the tumbleweeds and the things begin to grow again because the soil is not prepared for that. Um, Go ahead and give me 10 this is a famed icon in the valley, um, and I'll have to, let me throw kudos out that the, the property owners, whoever manages this, does a better than average job of keeping this down, but as you look at our friends here at the Ojai Bowling Alley, you can see the weeds. This is asphalt. Talk about the hardened path, Right. But look at the lions where they've probably sprayed Roundup or something to kill the what's grown up. There's palm trees growing out of there. There's these beautiful bushes with these flowers and things on them. Folks, it hasn't rained until yesterday in this valley in eight months. I took this picture this week. You can be know for sure that nobody's been out there watering this asphalt, right? But these weeds will flourish, they will always be there. So choked out good seed, right? They're robbed of water. The weeds can rob them of sunlight. In verse 8, it continues and says, but others fell on good soil, yielded a crop or fruit, some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. This is the good soil. This is not like the wayside soil. Hard. It's not like the rocky soil where it can't get moisture and it can't get uh, sustenance to grow. It's clean, not like the weedy soil that chokes out the nutrients. Let's look at 11. I have to say, I I, I love tractors, but I do have a a love of the big green, right? The John Deere. so. So I went with this one. But this shows us three tractors, three farmers, and that's exactly they're preparing this field to receive the seed that will be sown. If they went out there without this tractor and turning this earth over and bringing up that soft, rich soil and threw their seed on top of what's already there, I can promise you there would be nothing that would be of value. Uh, the harvest, the yield, the fold that they talk about in the scripture. An average increase or yield in agriculture, depending on the crop, is about seven and a half fold. A good crop is tenfold. A great crop would be fifteenfold. So when the Lord says one hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold, that that is a supernatural harvest, for sure. In verse nine, he continues and says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What does this mean? Whoever can understand this, understand this. Who understands? The people who believe in the king and Jesus, they're the ones who understand. The people who are redeemed, the saved people in the kingdom, the people with the heart to receive the the seed. Uh, when we're saved, we do not receive instantaneous academic knowledge of all of God's wisdom. We receive the Holy Spirit. And the difference in that, I remember as a, as a kid, our neighbors, Betty will remember my neighbors, the Ortegas. The Ortegas didn't have any children, and when my parents bought the home that I was raised in, and they're still at, hey, mom and dad, online. The Ortegas had encyclopedias, and when my sister and I had a school project, this was before the internet, you young people, you couldn't just pull your phone out and ask Siri, what's up with that? You had to go to what we called a reference book. People remember reference books, right? The Ortegas had reference books, and they wouldn't allow us to come take them, right, probably because they saw me hanging out my bedroom window, shooting birds off the wire. Could have something to do with it. But they would allow my sister and I to come over into their study, use the reference books, and we would learn. We would seek knowledge. We would gain this knowledge. So Jesus will teach you the meaning of his word. He doesn't just provide us with it when we accept him. We have to ask. Who won't understand? Hard hearts and deaf ears. Seed sown is eaten by the birds. It's withered without water. It's choked out by the weeds. And that's the example that he's teaching. The disciples, when they hear this message, they didn't understand. That was nothing new either, but they knew to ask. They believed in who he is, and he gave them the answer. The Lord will explain, and he will teach us when we seek that knowledge. But we have to ask for wisdom, and he will provide. In James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all, liberally, means abundantly, and without reproach, which means reprimand. It will be given to him. So, we're created with free will, if, if the Lord wanted us all to just be robots, he could have programmed us all that way. But he wants us to choose him. He wants us to seek his, his relationship. In Matthew thirteen fifteen, he continues and says, For the hearts of this people, the multitude, have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed, lest, meaning whether or not, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Again, who won't understand? The people who reject the king will not understand. Who will understand? In verse 16, He continues and says, but blessed are your eyes for they see. Again, he's speaking only to the disciples here. And your ears for they hear. You who believe can hear and understand. The Lord is going to teach you but only if you know him. In verse 17, he continues, for assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous, moral or good men, desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Well, why not? The condition of the soil, their heart. They don't believe. If you don't believe, you can't understand. Jesus explains to his disciples, um, he doesn't again explain to the multitude because his disciples asked him. In Matthew 13, 18 through 23, he explains at their request. He says, therefore, hear, understand, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. There is he who received seed by the wayside. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when the tribulation or persecution arises because of the word immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60, and some 30. So let's unpack the explanation. Specifically in verse 18, he says, Therefore, hear, understand the parable of the sower. Believers can understand. Unbelievers cannot. Take advantage of that gift. Take advantage of it. Don't let your only exposure to God's word be when, praise God, you come here to the church for the service. Right. Ask him for that knowledge and do some work outside of the church service to get that. Um, How? Again, be in the Word. Many of you are in Bible studies. Now we're online. It's all crazy. It's different. But there's a lot of ways to spend our time in the Word and to get that truth. Um, Again, ask for wisdom and knowledge. So let's talk about who is the sower? It's Jesus. He's the sower of the seed. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us so, just like the song says, right? Further down in chapter 13, where Jesus is explaining the parable of the tars and the wheat, he says in verse 37, he, Jesus, answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is the original sower. We know from Scripture that Paul was a sower. Peter was a sower. All of the apostles were sowers. Uh, Timothy and Titus and many of the the young protégés of Paul that we hear about in Scripture were all sowers of the seed. Jesus put the seed in the soil. So who sows the seed today? Jesus again. How does he do that? Through believers with an indwelling Holy Spirit. Again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. His Spirit, when we believe, comes to reside in us. He sows the seed using our hands, our mouth, our actions. It's all Him. The church is the vehicle. The church is the sower, the believer. In 1319, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, that hardened path where it couldn't penetrate, that hard soil. What is the seed? It's the word of God. This is the seed, the gospel message. That's the seed that we sow. In Luke's gospel, again, he puts it this way. Luke 8:11. Now the parable is this: The seed is the word of God. What is the soil? The soil is the heart. This is the soil. Is it hardened so that the seed can't penetrate? Is it rocky so the seed gets in a little bit and it sprouts up real quick and looks real good, but withers away? Did the seed get sown in a heart of weeds and thorns? that choke it out for light and rob it of nutrients, but it still sprouts up and shows something and then withers away? Or is the heart plowed, soft, yielding a harvest? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Who do the birds represent? The evil one, Satan. And birds are so cute. How could that be possible? Birds. I love birds. Chickens specifically. Uh, in the gospel of Mark chapter 4, 14 and 15, it says, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. They hear. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. What's the condition of your heart? In this room, those of you out there online, Take a, take a look. What's the condition of it? Can the can sown seed penetrate your heart? Does it have an opportunity? The disciples here are probably asking, what's going to happen now? You've been rejected by the, the multitudes, and we know that that rejection ultimately led to our Savior being murdered. He took our sins past, present, and future, heaped them on himself, went to that cross for unthinkable torture and crucifixion, died, and then the victory in in being raised again on the third day for our salvation. Something huge for us. Jesus is basically telling them You're going to go out and sow, right? I'm physically not going to be here to speak to the multitudes. You are, and I will be in you, and I will be with you. That's the message, the same message. But it doesn't depend on the sower. The seed is pure. What it depends on is the heart of the listener, heart of the hearer. Uh, Jesus is encouraging the disciples and us, with this message. And the basic message is you won't reach everyone. Not everywhere we sow seed is, the, is the, the field plowed. The hearts aren't always receptive. Many times we sow seed where there's nothing but hardened ground, and we shouldn't be discouraged. We should just sow seed. Let's look again at verse 19, Matthew thirteen nineteen. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. The wayside here, the hardened heart. The Old Testament referred to this as stiff-necked people. Men or women who are unresponsive to the message. So they want nothing to do with it. Most of us that believe today once had a hardened heart. And I say most because there's a lot of young kids that believe, and praise God, they grew up in a Christian home, had seed sown, and, and, and they accepted Christ without a hardened heart. So there are those examples out there. And I see some kids back there. Ready to go right on. Lario's kids, they don't have hardened hearts. So it's all about that condition. In verse 20, he continues and says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So this is the rocky soil again. The quick response shoots up quick. There's rocks underneath. The rocks prevent the sustained growth. There's no, there's no repentance. There's no turning from their sin. Kind of like an immunity idol. On the old uh, on our TV show, Survivor, right? They think they've got an immunity idol. It's the, the Jesus bandwagon. It's all good. They don't have any depth of soil. There's nothing growing there. But the church can't detect this. Other believers are encouraged because they see this sprout up. And people oh, wow, this is terrific. Look at the heart. He's changed. We can't see the condition of the heart. We can't see the soil underneath then the trouble comes. In verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Tribulation and persecution because of the word, right? You sprout it up. Hey! join my Bible study. We're on Zoom on Tuesday nights, right? Maybe Kathy's saying, hey, right? We meet on Mondays. You ladies, come on. Maybe that scares people off, you know? Hey, would you close us in prayer? That was always a good one. I grew up in a Baptist church, and when the service ended, the pastor would always look out amongst the folks, and he'd call on somebody, and I can remember, you'd look around at people and be going, oh, you know, oh, you know, oh no, don't look at me. And I'll go, hey, go ahead and close us some prayer. So this was, this was always a big That's when the, when the trouble comes. So how about in a restaurant? You're out with your new Christian fan, friends, and you walked into Bacali's on Sunday after church, and you sit down, and you see a couple people you work with, maybe your neighbors, and you're new to this church thing, but you just sprouted up, it all looks good. And somebody says, hey. Would you, would you bless the food? Oh, no, you know, these people, you know, I, oh, let me pray real soft. I don't want these people to know. Peer pressure, right? Others will notice a change in you when it's plowed. Let me see pick 12. We don't have pick 12? Oh, that was a great one armor. That's the kid with the Bible and all the kids around him, right? Maybe I don't have the right number. At any rate, while they look at that, I've challenged them with a bunch of media back there, so they're doing a great job. Uh, the pic that you can't see is a young man, we'll call him Bobby, and Bobby's sitting there with his little coat and tie on. He's got his Bible, and there's four other kids, his classmates, his peers around him, you kids that are in the youth group and you're in school, right? And you're challenged. You're trying to be that, that Christian example, right? And the peers come down on you. What's this kid doing praying over his, his lunch? Why is this? This kid used to laugh and tell all the, the bad jokes and laugh at our stuff and participate in our activities, and now they're not doing it. This is peer pressure. This is the part of serving God and being committed Not just involved, but being committed to him as Savior that costs us. This is the persecution. Only the Lord knows the soil. The church only sees what pops up. Do I have a 13? There we go. Okay. Here's your established believers, those big redwoods, right? They're growing up, they're in the ground, boy, they're strong. And here's the newbies in the church that are popping up down below. Looks really good. Everybody's encouraged. We have no idea as a church what the ground underneath that sprout looks like. We have no idea if it endures to grow up like one of the big trees. We have no idea, but we're encouraged. In verse 22, it says, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares about, or and, and cares of the of cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfaithful. Weeds and thorn soil. Again, the seed is the word. Notice that everyone audibly hears the word, but the cares of this world, worldliness. What does this mean? Our career, our house, our car. Job, our wardrobe, our prestige, maybe our looks. Many things can choke the word. Many things can be more important to us in life than the word. What are your priorities? What are your priorities? A friend of mine and I don't want anybody who's online to Google this and take yourself away from God's word here. If you're sitting here, write down the name Jason Maxwell. I met my friend Jason Maxwell just one year ago at a men's gathering in Fraser Park. That man had plowed soil. He had had a rocky heart, he had had a number of things, sin in his life, things that he discounted. He shot up quick, he withered away. Finally, he went to a uh, graduation of a a young niece or nephew in another state and went with the family to church. The Lord had prepared his heart, had plowed his heart, and when he went and heard the word this day, it was completely life-changing. He'd heard the word many, many times and it just blown by. Didn't care. But this particular time, Jason Maxwell Ministries. I'm not going to tell you his story He's got a great website where you can see what that is. But he made profound changes in his life. Profound. Many changes that as believers, I've been guilty of thinking couldn't be done. I believed that people that had his level of sin in their life at one point, in many cases, were unredeemable. And I was wrong. Everybody is redeemable. Everybody. And this guy's got a story. So when you have an opportunity, check him out when we're, when we're finished for the day. The seed fell on good soil with Jason. His soil wasn't good before. In verse 23 of Matthew 13, he continues, But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30, the good soil. Bears fruit, produces 160, 30 fold. All different, but all producers. We all grow in different places. We don't all have the same soil, but we can all have fertile soil. Some of us are in a position to speak to and reach and sow seeds to a different area than others are, but a believer will always, always produce, always produce. The weeds will still grow, and we have to deal with them, because if Annie, you and Uncle Bob didn't go out and weed that garden every single day, and they gave it a week off, you could bet there'd be a long time if they had to go out there and toil away at that. You know, the U.S. Department of Agriculture several years ago brought in a, a program where they took uh, ethyl alcohol syndrome, syndrome ethyl alcohol material, and they would prepare a field and plow it, and they would spray ethyl alcohol on about a 6% or, 6 or 8% uh, solution on the earth, and the weeds loved it. And the weeds would come right out first before they planted the seed. And they grew up, and then then they could deal with them, mechanically, chemically, whatever, and kill them off. And then when they plowed the field again and would plant, they could get sometimes three, five, seven years with no weeds in the crop. But they would still come. You could never get completely away from them. The weeds loved it. So parallel salvation, right? We want to get the weeds up so we can deal with them. The weeds are going to be there. They're always going to be there. This isn't a perfection. We can't live in perfection. We're going to continue to stumble in sin. But we want to deal with those weeds. You can't be saved and keep the weeds. You have to deal with the weeds. The willingness to deal with it. All the sin, right? You've got to get it up and out. Just believe and you're saved, right? That's what the scripture says. The English translation of that is I can think of countless instances of where this comes in, but I believe this is a binder. I believe that door opens out. I believe in Santa Claus, right? I believe. The Greek translation of believe is to commit to or put trust in a commitment. Commitment. That's huge. That word is used 271 times in Scripture, and it always articulates a commitment to the Lord. We can't just be involved in ministry, we have to be committed to the ministry. The Christian believer is committed to the Lord. Here's the belief. Give me give me pick 14. I believe this is breakfast, right? Bacon and eggs, right? There's the ministry. Let me see page 15. These are the these are the participants in the ministry. The chicken is involved. The hog is committed. There's your difference. Nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. It is pure. How much seed do we sow? Let's see pick 16, please. You have gardened, have gone to the nursery, gone to the store, and you've bought packets of seed, right? Picture kind of shows, it's an illustration, maybe that's two and a half, three inches by four We open this thing up and we dump the contents out. And those seeds on the right that are open, there's like 11 seeds in the sack. And you're like, what? That's it? Maybe if it's something small like tomato bushes, it's teeny tiny little seeds. And there's just a few of them in there. Those of you that are believers that want to sow some seed, get hold of some seed. This isn't the solution. Don't walk around with this little packet and think, boy, when I see some good soil, that's where I'm going to make sure it gets in there. Let's look at pick 17. This is the Lord's seed bag. When you and I have thrown all that seed, he will fill that again and again and again without stopping. There is no end to the seed of eternity that's in God's word. There is no end to it. You fill that bag and you throw seed all over everywhere. There is good ground, but there's that rocky ground, that hardened soil, the weeds and the thorns. It's all there. There's nothing wrong with the sower. Nothing wrong. Oh, there's sowers that might be expert at it and there's, sow- and there's sowers that aren't so much. Let's see 18, please. Here's some kids that are out learning how to sow. Imagine that sower we saw earlier on in this. They may uh, be out following dad in the field, and they don't know as much about the agriculture end of it, but they might grab some seed and they throw, yeah, will it all fall where they wanted it to? Probably not. Will some of it fall on good soil? You bet it will. It didn't care whose hand was in the bag, Right? It depended on what condition of the heart was where the seed fell. Was it hardened heart? Was it the rocky heart? The weeds and thorn heart? Or the cultivated? Sow some seed. Sow some seed. Do I have one more pick in there I didn't call for? Let's see that one. Oh. I haven't mentioned my grandson. This is Hank, right? This morning, Hank got together with Gampy, and we prayed. We prayed that as Gampy sowed seed today, that there would be prepared soil. There would be soft soil that some of this seed would land on. Right? This is important. This is important that you all know that it doesn't matter, you as the sower, what level of expertise you have. Just sow some seed. Right? People don't get saved when their hearts are still occupied with the things of this world. We have to continue. You may have sown seed on hardened soil of the same individuals countless times. Keep sowing the seed. One day the Lord will prepare that heart to receive it. As we prepare for communion this morning. And don't reach forward for your little cups if you haven't gotten them yet. There'll be time for that. Uh, I'll give a little tutorial here uh, on the cup, a little translucent piece to pull back. The wafer comes out, you pull the rest back, you can get to the grape juice. And we'll do that in a minute. We're, we're trying from week to week, uh, change things up. Last week, it sounded like everybody busted open a bag of Fritos in the middle of the message. So that kind of lost the uh, significance and the seriousness of the matter. So there will be a song that comes when you can grab that and prepare it and take it at your leisure. The night that the Lord was betrayed at the supper with his disciples, the Lord told them that the bread was his body and the cup was his blood. And that we were to do this as a church family in remembrance of him. There is so much to remember of him. A lot of seed has been sown. A lot of seed has been sown for those of you that believe. A lot of seed has been sown on many of you that still have hardened, rocky, or weed-infested soil. We will continue to throw seed. We will continue to sow and broadcast the seed. I want everybody to take advantage again of the knowledge of the Lord. I want everybody to take advantage of the fact that he will teach you. He will show you where to throw the seed. He will give you the knowledge of the seed to throw. And our prayer email. See, I didn't tell him that one, but she's going to find it. Watch how fast she is. Bang! There it goes, right? If there's a specific place that you'd like us to pray about where you are sowing seed, a name, a location, I want you to utilize that resource. Let us know where you're sowing seed so we as a church can pray for you and pray for the ground to be prepared that we don't know. Take advantage of that. As we have... Our time of communion. I'm going to pray for the communion. And again, when the music plays, you guys can come on up and get ready for that. We're learning here as we go. We're good. Benny's probably even going to strum his guitar. Let's give him a chance to get set up here. Again, do this in remembrance of me. There's an awfully lot to remember. There's an awfully lot to be grateful for. It never ends. To be grateful for what the King has done. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your faithfulness to us. We're so grateful for the seed that you provide. We are so grateful for the work that you do in the hearts everywhere that we need to sow seed. We ask for your confidence as we sow seed, that we don't just have a little pinch of seed, that we're not just looking for a small place to go, and boy, if we see something that we think, it doesn't matter what we think, Lord. It matters what you think. You want us to sow seed everywhere, where we work, where we live, online, on social media, wherever the field, wherever there could be a softened heart to receive your word. We ask for your blessing as that grows in cultivated hearts. In these days, Lord, where there are so many questions about the future, we needn't question the future in you. We have a promise from you that we can study, we can read, and you can teach us about, Lord. We pray these things in your name.